from the Theology of the Body Institute, this is the Ask Christopher West Podcast. Hello, podcast listeners. Hey, everybody. We are back. We have been dealing with our quarantine shutdown time, as everybody has been. Mm -hmm. Hope it's going well for you guys. We've been watching various movies and having game nights and praying for the world. Crazy times we're living in. It is. It's such a strange combination of Okay, the Lord is giving this us this break from all our activities. Many of our activities are good activities. At least we're not missing out on them because only we are missing them. Right. Everyone Everybody's, is. So that, yeah, that, there's a sense of solidarity. I think yeah. we said this last week. Mm-hmm. I'm really feeling that. And yet, the, in mixed in, you know, we may have like a somewhat more peaceful existence. And then you have people working in in hospitals and other situations where they're the opposite of peaceful. Yeah. Um, and we're seeing that, we're talking to people, and so we're, we're kind of, it's kind of a mixed time, you know, am I, am I blessed, am I burdened, am I, you know. If you are on the front lines out there, if you are a nurse or a doctor or paramedic and you're listening, we just want to say thank you. Thank, thank you. you for all you are carrying. Absolutely. You are carrying amazing burdens for all of us, and we're so grateful to Mm -hmm. you. I was touched by a doctor I saw on the news. I think you were sitting next to me when we were watching it, and he said something like, he was talking about how families are just handing their loved ones over to the medical professionals in a a different kind of way than usual because we're not even allowed to visit our family members if we drop them off at the hospital. So it's a, here you go. And, And he was talking about how he is receiving the patients in a new way and and the care he was giving he said the care he was giving this patient was the only thing that would calm him down was just to stroke his head oh yeah so moving so beautiful and then another nurse was talking about how she sees people dropping their loved ones off in the parking lot and they don't know if they'll ever see him again because you can't visit in the hospital it's just crazy things you'd never think would come to pass or coming to pass here. Hmm. Just continually, Lord, surrender. Lord, we give it to you. We surrender to you. Please, yeah. please show us the way out of this. Show us the way forward. Yeah, there's so many prayers that we can be praying for those who, most of all that, that the Lord is near, that people know his presence in their suffering. And we talk about theology of the body and how we are united to Christ, our God took on flesh, and there's a new unity between humanity and with God. But our our God suffered and and cried out in His agony, and so, you know, that prayer that that we wouldn't feel alone, even though even though maybe we are separated from people right. we would wish to be with, but that the Lord's presence would be real to us, that we could offer these sufferings and find a, a certain supernatural peace in that. Yes, obviously praying for cures and healings and for safety and protection and oh, so many things. You said something to me when we were lying in bed the other night with great conviction that really sunk in there, love. We were talking about what would happen. You know, we were just talking through if worst case scenario and you or I got this virus and mm-hmm. 
we were taken to the hospital and separated, I, I was saying I, I couldn't imagine not being at your side if you were suffering and dying. And um, you just emphasized how we're not alone, even when we may think we're alone. Right. If the Lord is who the Lord says he is, if what we believe is real, we're never alone. I will never leave you. I will never forsake you. That's right. And in our most difficult moments, in those moments when we suffer the most, that's when we are most intimately united with our suffering Lord. We're not alone. Uh, I'm really trying to let that sink in more. Mm -hmm. We're not Mm -hmm. alone. Yeah. And you've been doing your guided reading of Father Jacques Philippe's book. We're doing this YouTube Live, if you don't already know about it, every day, Monday through Friday, East Coast time in the U.S. at noon. I go on to YouTube for about 15 minutes and just do a guided meditation on this marvelous book by Father Jacques Philippe called Searching for and Maintaining Peace. And we've done five episodes so far. And uh, the feedback has been very positive. Mm-hmm. There are a few technological glitches here and there, but uh, I think it's it's going quite well. And and I'm, you know, the best way to learn something is to teach it. <laughs> I've already read this book three times in the past, and now I'm going through it for the fourth time uh, for this course, and more with a fine-tooth comb and letting the insights sink in. And I think the summary so far is there are two kinds of peace there's the peace that the world gives, which comes from financial security and good health. And we all know, we're all going through this right now, those can be taken away in a flash. Mm-hmm. And then there's the security that the Lord gives. There's the peace that the Lord gives. He breathes on us and he says, my peace I give to you, but not as the world gives. In this world, you'll have trouble, but take heart, I've overcome the world. So we're really trying to enter into that at a deeper level. If you're interested, uh, those five videos, we go live at noon, as I was saying, but they're posted on the YouTube channel. Mm -hmm. And if you want to be notified of when I'm going live, just go to the Christopher West YouTube channel and uh, subscribe and hit the notification bell and you'll be made aware whenever I go live. Mm -hmm. I'm going to be doing more of those live videos on YouTube. I I hadn't used that as a a medium before, but I, I like it, so I think I'll be doing more of that in the future. Uh-huh. And w- this current thing I'm doing, Monday through Friday at noon, we're just going to take it out until we get through the book. We I think we got through maybe 15 pages in the first week. Mm-hmm. So however long it takes, I'll just keep doing it. Okay. That's wonderful. And we're so glad that our listeners send us questions. We know that a lot of people are only seeing family, and that can be a great blessing, and it can be very difficult. And actually, a couple of the questions that we've received recently have been about dealing with very difficult family members. So, I wanted to share some of those questions. Let's do it. Okay. So, this first question is, can you please comment on resources for how pornography use by a father can impact a daughter's life and also her relationship with her father? The questioner says she's 24 years old, but she's a younger sister and just feels very concerned about how her father's behavior affects the family. Mm. She acknowledges Mm. that this is a difficult thing, kind of an addiction, and um, 
looking for help, but looking for input also from us. Well, bless you, dear listener. Thank you for sharing your heart, making yourself vulnerable. Just as you said that, I had a, a flash of a memory. This was just the first thing that came to my mind. I was in a dating relationship as a teenager, and my girlfriend's father had pornography in the house, and I lived through firsthand how that affected her as a daughter. And I didn't have the tools to understand or really know what was going on, but I got to the point, I remember in that relationship where I was really trying to reckon with how porn had really messed with my own thinking. And I was questioning in that relationship, I was 19, 20 years old, I guess at this point, and didn't want to be sexually active anymore. I wanted to try to figure out what is God's plan for a man and a woman. And my girlfriend understandably had lots of questions and even resistance to this new version of me and what I was hoping for our relationship. And and she said, uh, you know, what what is the problem? Why why don't why won't why, why can't we be sexually active anymore? And and this is what came out of my mouth just spontaneously. I didn't think about it, it just welled up. I said, Because I don't want to end up like your dad with a stack of porn in my closet when I'm a grown man. And uh I remember her lip quivering and a tear coming to her eye and and just realizing, man, this goes so deep in a mm-hmm. daughter's heart. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I, I just want to first affirm your sense of this as a daughter that something is terribly off. I want to affirm your sense of this in your love for your sister, that this is going to impact her as it has impacted you. And I want to hold out hope. Prayer is real. And as Jesus said, some demons can only be cast out through prayer and fasting. And there is no doubt in my mind that wherever pornography is present, there are dark spirits involved. Mm. I, I, I would put it this way. Pornography is a hellish mockery of a heavenly reality. Pornography is a diabolic mockery of the theology of the body. And you've heard me say this before. I'll say it again. The devil doesn't have his own clay. All he can do is take God's clay and twist it, distort it, God looked at everything he made and said, behold, it is very good. He created us naked without shame. The enemy and sin gets its hands on that beautiful clay and twists it up, distorts it. That's what pornography is. So we can recognize in that principle, just as, as a way of understanding what sin is, your father is looking for something Good. He has a desire to behold and understand the meaning of the body, but he's taking that good desire that God put in him as he put it in every man and every woman, and he's taking that desire to something that will never, ever truly bless or feed or help him or others in his life. It's like uh, pornography is like drinking salt water when you're lost at sea. Like you're, you're so thirsty, you're going to drink the salt water. And 
at first there's liquid in your mouth and it seems to quench, but it just makes you thirstier and thirstier and thirstier until you're dead. Pornography has that kind of impact on our minds and on our hearts. And it's not just something uh, isolated. There's no such thing as isolated sexual sin because no human being is totally isolated. Every human being's, uh, if you're bringing that poison into your own mind and your heart, that poison is going to come out, especially with those to whom you are closest. Your wife, your daughters, in a particular way, are going to feel the pain of this. And I, I want to take this back also to a, a biological principle that it is the father who determines the sex of the child. There's something that's not just in the sperm here, but that goes much deeper. This, the way the sperm determines the sex of a child is kind of a parable, if you will, for the way the father has a profound impact on the sexual identity of that child throughout his or her life. And when the father's confused uh, at this deep level and taking his own needs and yearnings to pornography, that's going to have a, a, a painful detrimental impact on others. So all of that to say, I, I, I went off on a little bit of a, a side note there, but I was, I was saying all that to get back to this. Some demons can only be cast out through prayer and fasting. And I want to say to this listener, your prayers for your father are effective. And the, uh, when we talk about intercessory prayer, at a deeper level, we're not just say, we're not just say like, oh, throw up a prayer. Oh, please, God, help my dad. Yes, yes, do that. Absolutely. Those prayers are not ineffective. But intercessory prayer goes deeper than that as we grow and as we mature and as we develop as a prayer. And we learn to offer the pain that others have caused us. We learn to offer that pain as a prayer. We learn to offer that pain in union with the pain that Christ has already borne for you, for your sister, and for your father. Your Savior, Jesus Christ, knows that pain. He knows the pain your father is in. He knows the pain that you are in and your sister is in because of your father's behavior. He knows it already. And you know that pain. And Christ will show you the way of opening that pain to him mm -hmm. in union with him as a prayer to the Father that will be efficacious in opening up your Father to another way of seeing and living. This is his promise to us. Yes, I absolutely confirm that sense of that pouring out of that pain into the Lord's heart and allowing him to just show you what lies you may have believed as a result of this painful situation. Yes. Things like, you know, that somehow your family is inferior or that you are somehow, you know, not attractive unless you look like the women in pornography. All those kinds of things can sneak into our hearts. Or that all men are just like this, right. which is a lie. Right. Yes. So, all those things to allow the Lord to just give you an, a sense of what are the lies that here it's, you know, the evil one also wants to damage your life. He's not satisfied with just yeah, your dad. Let's right. keep going. And so that victory that can come from the truth will set you free, that recognizing the lie and allowing the Lord to speak the truth. Every earthly father is disappointing in some way. Yes, yes. And you're, so know that you're not unique in that. And just to let the Lord speak the, all the truths about how he created you and 
his good plans for your life and his plans for healing for your father. Perhaps he wants to use you to affirm the goodness in your father so that he can see out of this dark place. So all of those things are things that you need to just wait on the Lord in prayer and open up. And these are just some thoughts that we have. And I actually had a question for you, Christopher. Do you have any um, books or talks on the effects of pornography that have particularly impacted you? I tell a story often. It's been written in my books and I share it in my talks and courses about an experience I had soon before we got married in which I was praying in front of the Blessed Sacrament and I was praying specifically, Lord, I want to be a, a, a sincere gift to my wife on my wedding night. And I was afraid because of how warped my mind had been as a teenager by pornography. And uh, the Lord said, give me those memories, give me those distorted images, and I'll show you what you were really looking mm-hmm. for. Mm-hmm. And I, I wouldn't recommend this just across the board. I was at a certain place in my life where it was the right time, and it was really the leading of the Lord, and I wouldn't want somebody just to start conjuring up memories of pornographic imagery in their mind without uh, spiritual counsel and without the Lord really leading. But the the invitation was, give me the lies and I'll show you the truth. Mm-hmm. And these images have a way of getting ingrained in the mind. And I, I just surrendered each image I could remember. And there are a lot of them. And I just said, Lord, I give you this lie. Please show me the truth. And I had in my mind's eye, I kind of saw this fire that I was putting these lies into this fire. And they were getting burned up one by one by one. And then what I saw at the end of all of it, I saw an image in my mind of the Christ child at the breast of the Blessed Mother. And I heard the whisper of the Lord saying, this is what you were looking for the whole time. Behold your mother. It was so healing to me. It was so, what was going on was a feeding with holiness, with a true image, with a true holy image of the yearning that I had taken in so many wrong directions. What I was looking for the whole time was to be fed by the real woman. And I took that hunger in the wrong way and I caused myself and a lot of other people a lot of destruction. And I think one of the the deep pains, especially in a daughter's heart here, is if my father is looking at pornography, how is he looking at me? That can be an agonizing question. Uh, Every daughter wants to be seen Mm -hmm. by her father in seen in the true sense, not looked at, not objectified. And and there is that understandable fear. How does my father see me? And so I would invite you in that question, in that pain, take that question to your heavenly father. Say, heavenly father, how do you see me? How do you see me? He looked at everything he made and said, behold, it is very good. Mm -hmm. He knows you so intimately. He knows all the pain. And again, that pain can become a true prayer. So I tell that story in my talks. I, I write about it. I would also encourage you to look into the work of my friend and colleague, Matt Frad, who's done some wonderful things 
helping men to overcome pornography addictions. Uh, we'll leave something in the show notes about his program called Strive. Maybe you could find a way to encourage your father to to take this program called Strive. I think we'll we'll leave it at that for now for the sake of time. Sure. I hope that was helpful to you, dear listener. Please know you'll be in our prayers. Mm-hmm. Uh, another question, uh, anonymous question is, it sounds like it's from a woman. As I prepare for my upcoming marriage, I've found that my family, mostly my mother, has struggled with the idea of me getting married and leaving her. Mm-hmm. Leaving her is in quotes. Mm-hmm. She's made comments about how I spend more time with his side of the family or worries how we'll handle future holidays or just weekends. How do I handle this in the midst of this joyous time of preparing to enter a sacrament with my fiancé? Oh, my. (laughs) Um, God bless you. God bless you. God bless you. Uh, We have here what I would call call the um, controlling mother syndrome. (laughs) Uh, There is this line in scripture that is very important for you and for your mother. For this reason, a man will leave his father and his mother. And if the person who wrote the question is a woman, it applies just as much. Uh, We will leave father and mother and cling to one another as husband and wife. And let's let's just paint this in the most positive light first. Mm-hmm. I, I jumped right away to maybe being a little too harsh and thinking this is a controlling mother. Maybe I'm reading into it, but it sounds like controlling mother syndrome. But in the most positive light. <laughs> is, that, is that an official diagnosis? Uh, that's my diagnosis. <laughs> okay. In the most positive light, it's understandable that your mother who conceived you, birthed you, raised you, would go through understandable pangs in saying my little girl or my little boy has grown up and now they're leaving. I don't want to, you know, speak negatively about that or be a bunch of sour grapes about very understandable human emotions, but it sounds more here like uh, some form of control. And again, where I, I would invite you to Pray for your mom here. She's in need of, and here, here's a suggestion. Pray through that fifth joyful mystery, although there's a sour note to it. Uh, it's the, What's the fifth joyful mystery? It's the finding of Christ in the temple. But there's that where Mary says, how could you have done this to me? Mm. And there's this, that's the beginning of Mary's own need to let go. Mm. Every mother and every father will go through this need to let go of their children. And again, we can put it in a positive light here because Mary was without sin. She wasn't manipulative. She wasn't controlling. But she still had to walk through the normal human emotions of letting go of her son. Every parent will need to do that. So I would recommend understanding towards your mom that every parent goes through that. But if it gets to the point of she's not willing or able to let go and starts being controlling and manipulative, I think you need to put some distance there and and make some clear boundaries saying, Mom, I'm an adult woman. This is my new family. You'll always be my mom. I'm grateful for everything you've done for me, but you also have to let me go. And you have to let me leave mother and father and and be with my husband. 
Mm. What do I'm you think, with Wendy? you. Yeah, I think you know it's probably a surprising ingredient in the kind of mix of your preparation for marriage. Maybe, you know, knowing that your mother has always loved you and even uh, been praying for your future spouse, it, it probably is coming as a surprise that there is this, you know, kind of strange emotion in the mix, in the mix which seems critical of you, fearful of your future life, causing somehow pain. I, I think probably many people have experienced this. Yeah. Um, so you're not alone, but well, we uh, went through our own in-law issues. Sure, everybody of course, does. Of everybody course. does. But also to just you know try to have that patience and you know allow that to just give you a new perspective on your mother as an individual and her journey and your whole family and a sensitivity, but also just a need to accept that if the Lord's calling you into marriage, then. It's for everyone's good. I think that that was always a helpful reminder for us in our different family members' struggles that it can't be that, you know, it's God's will for us to marry, but it's not God's will for so-and-so that I be married, you know, for my sister or my mother or my, yeah. So, you know, I think that's a comforting kind of reassuring thought that we may go through struggles because we're human, but God is at work. It's not just up to us. I have one more thought to share. Maybe you could... Take your mom out for coffee or something, a meal, once this whole COVID-19 thing has passed and we're actually allowed to do that again, and talk to her about what was her experience when she got married. Was her mother kind of clinging? What experiences did your grandmother go through when your mother got married? That might open a conversation to speak honestly to her about what she went through and and if you need to put up some boundaries do it lovingly and patiently and with kindness but also maybe with some maybe clarity will be uh, important i think it will be bless you bless yes. you you're in our prayers yes another question from Caleb Caleb says I've been disabled from birth bless you brother and marriage is something that's a desire in my heart for sure my counselor recently made aware made me aware, he says, of the financial aspect. And I think what he's getting at there is that as a disabled person, there is um, government support uh, so that perhaps somebody could want to marry a disabled person for the sake of financial benefit. Oh. Um, oh, my. I'm, I'm kind of summarizing okay. that based on some other things in the question okay. that I'm not going to read. He says... It's a touchy situation. My counselor made me aware of how ruthless people can be and want to know what we think of all that. Caleb, uh, you're bringing something to my attention that I have never known of uh, or heard of. I suppose what I know of human nature, that that doesn't surprise me that there would be someone wanting to take advantage of such a situation. Caleb, you are meant to be loved for you and I know you already know that I'm saying something to you that you already know but I want to underscore it you are meant to be loved for you I'm reminded as I'm speaking of a married couple that I met in Toronto I believe and 
she was disabled. She was in a wheelchair. I'll never forget this couple. They actually ended up coming to one of my courses here in Pennsylvania. And she just died within the last year or so from complications. And I just learned of it maybe in the last couple months. I hadn't known uh, somebody informed me that she had passed away. And it was such a, a sadness to hear that news. And I so admired this husband and his care for her. Mm-hmm. It was so evident that he loved her. Yeah. And their, their relationship, their love for one another touched me profoundly. Caleb, you are worth being loved for you. If you smell any hint of someone entering a relationship with you in order to gain some financial advantage because of your handicap and the government's funding, do not, do not pursue that relationship. Uh, I know you already know that, but you asked for my thoughts. Those are my thoughts. Wendy, what are your thoughts? Yeah, I think, Caleb, you are, first of all, so fortunate that you have the gift of faith, that you have some knowledge of theology of the body, that you have all these strengths, all these things in your favor Mm -hmm. um, in terms of moving forward into marriage if the Lord calls you there. Because it could be that with disability that there could come, and there are, a great temptation to self-pity and to kind of negative, manipulative behavior that can just be maybe not intentional, but can kind of come about in relationships. So, I am so happy for you that you have embraced faith, that you have knowledge. The Lord made you. The Lord loves you. The Lord sees you as absolutely good and desires your good. All those things are so important that you you are meant to be a gift, and you may very well be called to be a gift as a husband. So, all of that is something to give you strength and Every one of us has issues in discerning who would be the right person to marry. You have a particular challenge in kind of maybe, I think the thing the counselor has introduced here that is a doubt that if someone were Ooh, that's um, a good point. interested in being in a relationship with me. That's a good point, Wendy. Yeah. You know, is that actually a selfish, selfishly motivated, you know, Do I have to distrust anyone Mm, who's interested mm, in me because of this? So, I think I don't want you to receive that in whatever way the evil one would kind of piggyback on that and kind of create darker thoughts about your future. I just want to reject that and encourage you that what you know to be true is true. It is true. It is true. It is true that you are a gift and meant to be a gift. So, yes... Do we all have a call to be discerning? Absolutely. But are you already gifted in that way in order to discern? Probably very much so. And to pray against any added doubt that's not the Lord cautioning you, but the evil one trying to prevent you from that beautiful place of trust that we come to as we give our lives to one another. I just want to encourage you to stay in the Spirit. Wendy, that was very insightful, that point about that doubt that crept in. I think you, you might have been getting at the heart of it right there. Caleb, if you are called to marriage, the Lord has someone for you, 
And the Lord has someone for you who will lead you to the kingdom in the way you are called to be led to the kingdom and that you will lead that person to the kingdom in the way you're called to lead that person. I want to make one more comment in light of something John Paul II says at the very end of the Theology of the Body Catechesis. It's his final address. He says the term Theology of the Body is much broader than the topics that he had addressed in his catechesis. And he mentions specifically sufferings. And he, he didn't spend a lot of time talking about bodily sufferings in the theology of the body. He says, this is an area that needs to be developed. We clearly see the pinnacle of the theology of the human body is the suffering, passion, death, and thanks be to God, resurrection mm. of Jesus. But we all pass through very particular sufferings in this life. So often they're connected with our bodies. And Caleb, as a disabled person, you have known that very intimately. That's not an abstraction for you. But in that suffering of your body is the seed of the promise fulfilled, which is the suffering of your body will lead to glory. Yeah. This is the promise. This is our hope. We pass through bodily suffering. We pass through all kinds of suffering, emotional, psychological suffering as well, to lead us to glory. I'm thinking of the man who was born blind. You know, why was this man born blind? Was it his sin? Was it his parents' sin? We're always looking to blame something. We've talked about this on other episodes. But Jesus' response is so important, Caleb, and I, I hope you can receive it. He says, no, it's not his sin or his parents' sin. This was allowed by God to reveal the glory of God. Your sufferings, Caleb, have been allowed by God to reveal the glory of God. And we have the promise that in the resurrection, the blind will see, the deaf will hear, the lame will leap. Caleb, I cannot wait to see you leaping. Mm -hmm. This is our hope. This is our promise. Uh, when I say our hope and our promise, I'm not saying uh, it's something we give. This is the promise that we have because Christ has given it to us. Mm -hmm. Lord, we ask your blessing on Caleb. We ask your blessing on that deep place in his heart where he yearns for love, where he yearns to be married. We ask, Lord, if it be your will that you bring him together with the woman he is meant to be with and that there wouldn't be that suspicion that she would be prepared and is being prepared even now to love him for mm -hmm. him. Yes. And if it's not your will that he be married, let him have total confidence that he is called as we are all called to the eternal marriage of the Lamb. This is where all our hope is. We ask this in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Amen. Well, I want to invite all of you listeners out there, if you would consider becoming a patron of the work of the Theology of the Body Institute. We have lots of goodies for our patron community, lots of exclusive ongoing formation in the Theology of the Body that we offer to our patrons. We are in a particular need right now, as so many ministries are because of this coronavirus. Our normal channels of funding are, are, they're drying up because we're not able to be on the road. We're not able to have our 
live courses. So yes, it has it has impacted us. We know the Lord's going to provide, but maybe he's tapping you right now in hearing these words. Maybe he's tapping you to be the channel through which he will provide. Pray about it. Consider it. If you feel led, you can click the link below in the show notes there to learn how to become a patron of the Theology of the Body Institute and become part of our online global community of men and women who are learning, living, and sharing this Theology of the Body. We love doing this. We'll look forward to being with you again next week. We're praying for everyone in a particular way in this crazy time of coronavirus. Uh, Lord, we entrust it all to you, Mm -hmm. especially those who are suffering most, Lord. Lord. We want to be in solidarity with them, in union with you, Jesus, trusting in the fulfillment of your promise that you work everything together for the good for those who love you. We love you, Lord, and we love our listeners out there. You guys are a gift. Become what you are. Ask Christopher West comes to you from the Theology of the Body Institute with music by Mike Mangione and production by Sounder and Key. Christopher and Wendy hope the information presented is helpful to you, but remind you that they are not licensed counselors. If you're going through serious difficulty, you can find a list of trusted counselors and psychologists in the show notes.